And the word of the Lord says this. It says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may all be seated. terrible. God. Let's try that again. Good morning. Oh, much better. It's good to be back with you. I was in Memphis all week, so it's good to be home and back at the church this morning. Just a few announcements before we jump into God's holy word uh, this morning. There are still t- uh, tomato steaks that are needed for the community garden, so if you have any of those, uh, see me uh, today or on Wednesday night, and I'll get them to the proper uh, people. Also, mark your calendars for VBS. That's June the 20th through the 25th. So June the 20th through the 25th, that's 6 to 8.15 um, in the evenings. And then on Saturday, uh, we will have an ice cream social. That's from 4 to 6 o'clock on uh, Sunday following uh, the service in the afternoon. Uh, Bring your favorite ice cream. Uh, Miss Donna, peach ice cream. I didn't say that out loud. Uh, that is some amazing stuff. That's the beauty of being a, a, a pastor. You get to ask people from the pulpit. Um, hopefully it's not shameful. I, I hope never to shame someone from the pulpit. But uh, favorite ice cream, mine is Miss Donna's Peach Ice Cream. Um, so I look forward to that. Hint, hint. Um, but we will. The church will provide snow cones, and then we'll be playing kickball. Uh, so bring your chairs. It's time for just enjoyment and fellowship with one another. So. Again, bring your favorite ice cream. The church will do snow cones. Uh, You just need to bring your chairs and uh, bring yourselves for a time of enjoyment. I do want to take a moment to pause and just remember what we do come and we honor all of our fallen veterans tomorrow on Memorial Day. We would not be here uh, in this country with the freedom that we have without the sacrifices of those men and women. But Memorial Day always, always reminds me of the one that gave his life for us, Jesus. And so I'm grateful for Jesus and uh, being reminded of his great sacrifice, but also for the men and women that sacrificed their lives so that we could have our freedom. Let's pause and pray, and then we'll jump into God's holy word uh, together. Uh, Pray with me if you would. I want to read these few words over us as we pray this morning. This comes from Psalms. And I want you to meditate on these words just a moment. This is Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. God, I pray that you would, in your kindness and grace and mercy and love to us, 
through the gift of the Holy Spirit that we'd find and be still before you this morning. God, because it's in the stillness that you speak to us. And we slow down enough that we can hear from you and receive from you. So I pray in these moments, before we jump into your holy word you have given to us, for our edification, I pray that you would still our hearts, our minds, to receive from you. Now, God, we ask that you would do what only you could do, and that's use your word, the living and active sword that it is, to pierce our hearts, our minds, to receive your truth. Your word is infallible, it's inerrant, and it's inspired by you and given to us for our edification. And I pray that would be true for us this morning. We're grateful as we come tomorrow and celebrate Memorial Day all those that gave their lives to allow us to even come and worship here this morning, but we are most importantly reminded of your son Jesus who gave his life for us. The ultimate freedom, the bondage of hell and sin for all of eternity. We're grateful for Jesus this morning. And as we've been doing these last few months, we continue to do, and we ask that you would uh, bring to us a youth pastor that loves you and loves students has a desire to help students know you and to make you known in this lost world. And so provide that for us. And we open our hearts to you and to your word this morning. We pray this in the famous name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. As Jared said, we are in James. We've been walking through the, the letter of James. Remember the letter of James has been given to us by God to show us what it looks like to live out our Christian faith. And what James is going to do is he's going to continue to borrow from his brother's Sermon on the Mount. This is a commentary, if you will, on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We've been walking through the last several, almost month and a half now, about our trials and the testing of our faith and the producing of the faith that God wants to give to us. And now James in these moments is going to shift and begin to talk to us about God's holy word. Remember what we said last week. Um, we were looking at that every good and perfect gift is from above. And James is talking about our salvation. And in talking about our salvation, the way that we get our salvation is through the, 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 the word of God. The living, active word of God. And now James is going to move us into what it looks like if we truly are the first fruits of that word, that if we really are saved, this is what it's going to look like. The title of this morning's message is The Five Marks of a Regenerated Heart. A regenerated heart is that what God has done is he's taken this heart that was once dead. Paul says we were all dead in our trespasses. And by God breathing his life into us, regenerates our heart. It's not a work of ourselves. It's a gift, a free gift from God. And now James is going to say, here's these five marks. If you're a believer, you must have, if you truly are a believer. So it's a test, if you will. This, this morning's statement, I would say, is this. 
since God has given us new hearts, we now need to be open to his word to continue on our sanctification. These are the five ways that we can do that, or the five marks to do that. James is going to borrow again from his brother, and you can turn there, Matthew chapter 13. He's going to borrow this. Many scholars believe that James was being reminded of his brother's words when he penned this in the letter. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13 this morning. You'll know the passage well. The passage is the parable of the soil. I'm going to read it and I'm going to walk through this text for a moment and then get back to James chapter 1. But this is what it says. This is what Matthew writes in James chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And a great crowd gathered about him and so that he got into the boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them these things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And he sowed, and some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground. They did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. And since they had no depth of soil, but the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. These are the four, four things that we see that Jesus is going to talk about and then turn back to James. James is going to say right out of the gates, remember what he's going to say. He's going to say, have quick ears. That's what Jesus said at the very end of the parable. He who has ears, let him hear. But these are the four things that Jesus says. The four kind of hearts that every human has. And you must ask yourself this question this morning, which of these four is true of you? Are you the first seed that was fell and you have hard hearts or you are on that rock, that, that, that road that has no soil at all that the birds come and take it away right away? That, that would be you have no salvation at all. Jesus goes on and says, some of you have these shallow hearts, these rocky soils that the seed was planted and it didn't take long for you to wither away. And then the third is the thorny soil. That's where the, the cares of the world come around you and choke you out. You begin to take root, but the cares of the world choke you out. And the fourth one is this. Do you truly have a regenerate heart has the seed of the gospel fallen into good soil and is it producing what it needs to produce you see that's true about any of us and all of us my hope for us this morning is that we all have the fourth heart the regenerate heart the heart that has the seed that's falling into healthy soil and it is bringing life and life to you and to others that is what james wants to say to us this morning here in james chapter 1 verse 19. So here are the five things that we can look to as marks of our heart. So I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Are these 
five things true of me this morning? And if not, what of these things must I repent of in order for these things to be true of me? James comes right out of the gates and he says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. The know this is an idea, it's an imperative. It's, it's you've got to know this. If you don't know this, then you don't know anything else. This is what's most important to you. So I want you to listen with those ears this morning. I think it's so easy for us to come to a sermon and just kind of we've been doing this our whole lives. We can kind of get lost that we just come and give 30 minutes to hear a sermon and we can leave and we don't really take in what God's word has to us. And so I'd say to you, as James says to those readers long ago, know this. Mark this in your hearts. Is this true of you this morning? The first mark of a regenerate heart is what he says. Let every person, every believer, because he uses that word, my beloved brothers, those are Christians. So the Christian, let every one of us be what first? Be quick to hear. Quick to hear. What does he mean by that? He means that we must have a readiness, an eagerness, an eager expectation to hear the Word of God. Do you have an eagerness when you come on Sunday morning? Do you have an eagerness on Monday mornings when you wake up, when you engage God's Word? Is there a readiness, an eagerness to get something out of God's Word? Let us be quick to listen. Jesus says something very frightening in John chapter 8, verse 47. He says this, Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. My first plea to you is this. If you do not hear the word of God, you may not even be a believer this morning. Are you and am I quick to hear? Do we have an eagerness for the gospel? Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, and by it you may grow up in your salvation. Again, do you have an eagerness for the Word of God? I think of all the things in this world that we have an eagerness for. A good steak, good ice cream, Good yum yum bars from Miss Maryland, like the eagerness. When I saw those on my desk this morning, I just wanted to devour the whole box. But I think to myself, in all that the world is offering to me and to us, am I really quick to listen to the Word of God? An eagerness. The next thing that marks a regenerate heart is this, that we must be what? Slow to talk. The writer of Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs 17, verse 28. He says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Do we talk more than we listen? 
Do we even talk about God more than we listen to God? I was reading this commentary, and I loved it, and so I'm going to borrow. This is what the rabbis used to say. We know the old saying, we have two ears and one mouth, so we ought to listen doubly as long as we are to speak. But this is how the, the, the rabbis would have said that. He says this, men have two ears, but one tongue. That they should hear more than they speak. The ears are always open, ready to receive instruction. But the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and to keep it within its proper bounds. I wonder for you and for me, do we have a slowness to speak? Are we just always, you know those people that are always talking? Holy moly, I... This is being recorded, so i got to kind of shift what I say. I was at an intensive this week with men in trauma all over the U.S. And there were, it was amazing to me, the men that would be slow to hear and those that were slow to talk. There was some individuals there, they just talked the whole time. I'm like, well, what did you come? If you know everything, you don't need us. Like, I couldn't even get out a whole sentence before someone wanted to, like, ask a question or give a rebuttal or, you ever been around those people? It's like, holy moly, like, why don't you just do all the talking then? And what James is saying to us, let us be slow in our speech. That's the second one. The third one, he says this, let us also be slow to anger. Now many of us when we come to this text and we read this text, we, we think of these fits of outbursts to other people. That's not what James is talking about in the context of what he's talking about. What James is talking about is this, let us be slow in our anger towards God and God's word. Because if it's in the context of God's word, how many of us come to God's word and have an anger about what God's word says? Many of us can come to God's word and we can read God's word and we get automatically defensive and angry at God's word. There's a lot of offensive stuff in God's word. That on the surface, you're like, there, there's no way that's a loving God. And if we get uh, are quick to anger with what God's word says, we get defensive with God's word and we won't receive God's word. I remember early on in my walk with the Lord, I was 18 years old, I had just come to faith, and I was going off to Bible college. Probably not the greatest idea in the whole world to put a young believer right into uh, the, the, the den of lions to receive God's word. But I remember my professors would talk about certain theological things. That in my small-mindedness, I would be so offensive, offended by. I'm just so offended by it. And I would just turn my professor off, turn God's word off, and not go back to study and read it on my own. Like one, one of those places was uh, er, early on, just the idea that salvation was left up to God and God alone. 
like somehow I thought I had this choice that I could make. And I began to read God's word over and over and began to see like, no, God's going to do what God's going to do in terms of salvation. And I can't do anything about it. It's what Paul says in Romans chapter 9. He says, how can the clay say to the potter, this is what I want you to make of me. No, the potter says to the clay, this is what I'm going to make of you. And I came to that passage of Scripture, and I would read it, and I would turn my Bible, close it up, and go on about my evening. And over and over and over again, there were things in God's Word that just made me angry. And what James is saying, no, let us not be quick to anger, but slow to anger so we can receive from God. Why? Because if we're quick to anger, what happens in verse 20? If we're quick to anger, it says this, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if I'm angry with God's word, the only thing that can make me righteous is what? God's word. And so if I come to God's word with anger, I won't be able to get out of God's word what I need out of God's word to produce righteousness. So James is saying to us, let us be slow to anger when it comes to what we would hear, see, and receive from God's word. I'm telling you, God's word doesn't always make sense, but it is always true and accurate. James now gives us two, two other practical ways. He says this, once we get through our anger and become slow to anger and we let the God's word produce righteousness in us, he says, now there's these two last things you must do. He says this, the, the fourth thing is this, you must therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So a repented heart is also a regenerate heart is also a repented heart. James uses this metaphor of putting away. That word putting away has everything to do with dirty clothes. Like when you come in after working the field and you're completely dirty, you don't hang that up and put it back in your closet or fold it up and put it back in your dresser. What do you do? You put it away. Sometimes you even have to throw it away. It's beyond like repair. There's no way you can clean it. There's not enough bleach on the planet. So you literally discard it. And that is what James is saying here, that we must have a repentant heart. We must get rid of these things in our life. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. This is how Paul says it, that we are to get rid of or put away. These are the things that we must put away. We have studied this passage in the past, but I want to read it to us again. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Paul says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now he gives a list what is earthly in us. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, 
which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not a Greek and a Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. He says, now that you've put these things away, put these things on. Now none of us, if we came out of the garden dirty, with dirty clothes, would put on clean clothes, would we? I mean, cedar mine, he kind of does that thing. Um, but none of us, grown men and women, if we're dirty, would put clean clothes on top of dirty clothes. And so Paul says, get rid of all those things in your life. And put these things in its place. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and practice, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so that you might also forgive. And above all, put, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So do you and do I have a repentant heart that I'm continually repenting of the things that marked me apart from Christ. Repentance is not a one-time deal. Repentance is a daily practice that every believer must get into. So do you have a repentant heart? The last one is this. He says, Back, let's turn back to James chapter 1, verse 21. He's saying, now that you've put these things aside, he said, now you must have a receiving heart. Do you have a receiving heart? And what are we to receive? He says, have a receiving heart with meekness. What? What are we to receive? The implanted word. James says, how are we to receive it? We are to receive it with meekness. We are to receive the word of God with meekness. That means this, power under control. What it means is that we have all the power, but we must submit to one that has more control. Think of it in this way. It's a horse and rider. A horse. I'm terrified of them. I know uh, Larry would have wanted me to get on one. One day, I promise I'll get on a horse. I'm not sure when, Miss Donna, but one day. But think of this. I'm 200 pounds-ish. I'm not going to tell you exactly. That's too shameful. Now, if I get on a horse, how much does a I don't know how much horses weigh, but horses are pure muscle. If that horse wanted to do anything it wanted to do, it could. There's no way I can control a horse. I'm not that big. I'm not that strong. But what that horse has to learn is to be submissive to the rider. And if you have a horse that not, is not submissive to the rider, you have a bad horse is what I've been told. And that's what James is saying here. You humans, we have all this power. But we must receive the word of God with meekness, meaning we must submit our power under one who has even more control. That's the word of God. Do we submit ourselves to this? You see, we have the power to reject it. But we, will we receive the implanted word that Christ has given to us? We see that back in verse, verses 18. 
He brought you forth by what? The word of truth. Now we must submit ourselves and all of our power under its authority. Will we have receiving hearts today? I want to ask you in closing these five questions. Are you quick to hear? Are you slow to talk? Are you slow to anger? Do you have a repentant heart? Most importantly, do you have a receiving heart? Those are the five marks that ought to be true of every believer in this room this morning. What is true of you? What is true of us, the church, today? May we be slow to talk, slow to anger, repentant and receiving and quick to hear from God's holy word. Let us pray.